Hello and once again welcome to LOP Lords of Pain Wrestling Headlines Aftershock 4 WWE WrestleMania 36 Night 2. Uh, this is on the podcast version. Again, this is like, uh, at the beginning I like to, I don't like to. It's kind of become a bit of a necessity for me to do a little bonus for the podcast as I've got a few things to click about with before I can even go live on YouTube. <laughs> There's so many things to work around with. Uh, so I just kind of do that whilst I can and check everything in a second. So, yeah, that's these the podcast specials. Get yeah, get a little bonus for the podcast of hearing me scramble about panically as I tweet everything. I get the things sorted out on the laws of pain page <laughs> and everything and all of that jazz. Check it's all working and everything. It's, yeah, sounds up. That's all good. Right, the microphone is way too far away for me. So sorry, podcast listeners, you're gonna have to hear me scrape it towards me and move my soundboard as well, which I've got here. Right, oh, that's too close. <laughs> awesome, we're live. It is three forty in the morning. It's going to be stretching pains. That's not right. Growing pains, I guess. Early live pains. Right, going live on YouTube in three, two, one, and then yeah. I want to do the countdown. And that's <laughs> that's not when I'm going live. Uh, anyway, uh, go live now. Do the actual show right, in in multiple places. And that concludes one of the most unique weekends of WWE I have ever seen at WrestleMania 36 Night 2. Hello and welcome to LOP Radio slash Wrestling Headlines uh, radio special for Aftershock live immediately following Night 2 of WrestleMania 36 from WWE's Performance Center going off the air. My name is Matt Mayer aka Imp aka The Implications for LawsOfPain.net columnist man, radio man, whatever. Unfortunately, given current circumstances, still not able to get camera stuff, so it's boring picture just for now. Again, apologies. It is what it is. Yeah, it's life. It's the lockdown thing. <laughs> kind of sucks. <laughs> so anyway, thank you for everybody tuning in. Uh, s- send in the replies and everything. As My internet acts really weird. Uh, and... I'll be like reading comments and stuff throughout the show. Uh, I'm live on both Spreaker. There's, they've got a chat thing there. If you prefer podcast stuff instead of YouTube, I am on YouTube as well, doing all that sort of jazz. And yeah. <laughs> so, in terms of WrestleMania, there's quite a lot to unpack from tonight. However, uh, the main event has just happened with Brock Lesnar and Drew McIntyre. But like, all I want to talk about is John Cena versus The Fiend. And I feel like as soon as I start talking about that, I'm going to spend quite a long time. So the way I normally do it is I'll talk about the main event first and then kind of like key matches that grab my interest. So, or like the big matches of the night and then I'll run through the card in order. I've got a copious amount of notes. It kind of helps with that to kind of streamline it a bit and get through them. Um, so I will talk about Lesnar, Drew McIntyre first, but I warn you, when I get to John Cena versus The Fiend, I have got a lot to say. <laughs> like, um, I absolutely love that match. There's a lot. For me, it's right up my alley, like right, right up my tree. It's totally my sort of thing. I loved it. So, don't need Twitter open. So, uh, Drew McIntyre versus Brock Lesnar. We have a new WWE champion in the form of Drew McIntyre, the Royal Rumble winner. It seems to have all gone to plan. How lovely! Uh, but it, the match itself, it was the Brock Lesnar main event. Like quick finishes and suplexes galore. Uh, F5 kick out, oh, well, yeah, F5 kick out, Claymore kick out, this is, it's like two minutes of constant, like, non-stop action, which is fun, like, I, I've enjoyed those matches, but we've seen them so much now that they have outstayed their welcome, like, it's a unfortunate case of repeating the same thing over and over and over, eventually you just run out, and I'm, I'm really, I'm really sorry, but my uh, setup is incorrect, I have to change it. There we go. Hopefully I don't unplug my microphone as I'm doing that. <laughs> that's bloody great. Yeah, I'm still there. All right, that's good. It's still not right. But yeah, it absolutely... It's a shame that that's the case, that they that kind of format of match has outstayed its welcome for me, where I just... I had nothing for it. It was the same match that we've seen quite a few times. I had nothing for this Brock Lesnar main event. It gave no reaction, even though I thought it was a good thing. I thought, yeah, it's fine, but uh, Drew McIntyre's got his moment. That's awesome. I can pop for that. But it's this, we've seen this too many times now where I'm kind of just bored with it. It's been 2015 would have been the first time it's happened. So 
15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. Again, it's quarter to four in the morning. My brain... <laughs> yes, I had to count that. So that's six years in a row we've had pretty much the exact same Brock Lesnar match at every single WrestleMania. And yeah, they are fun. They are enjoyable. They are. They do. There's no downtime at all. It's just pure action. It's finishes or suplexes, and that's it. That's the entire match. And we've had those exact matches now for six straight years. It has become tiring, and we've gone to that point where a wrestler has defeated him. He's got that big major pop. Only like by midsummer, it's switched back again. Or in the case of Roman Reigns, if it did switch at all, it was unfortunate. Is that is um. It's an unfortunate consequence of, I guess, certain things getting in the way and changing things about that we've ended up in this situation. Like that's more to do with like the unfortunate stuff of Roman Reigns back in 2018. That had a massive effect on everything. We ended back at square one, uh, only to refresh Seth Rollins to end up back at square one. So here we are, with Drew McIntyre having reset like twice already. Like, is, consider my investment not particularly high when it comes to this. So yeah, Drew. Drew McIntyre's champion, that's great. It's all the the stuff after that matters, really, for this, because they've done this moment how many times already? So, yeah, yeah. So consider me fine with it. At match itself, though, it kind of got me a little bit with Brock Lesnar hitting so many F5s, because we've seen it in the past where uh, someone could kick out of one, but once they keep coming, that's kind of like cements it. Like with Rey Mysterio, that's kind of what cemented him. With Finn Balor, that's what cemented him. Who did he bloody face this year at the... Was it Braun Strowman at the Royal Rumble? Oh, my brain turns off. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that wasn't the key match there. <laughs> so I just forget what it was. But yeah, the like suplexes galore from Drew McIntyre who hit a Claymore to begin with. But yeah, it was the bottom of the main event. Quick finishes and suplexes. Yeah. So F5 kick out at one. Big surprise. I saw Twitter was popping for that. After the fact, for WrestleMania, I've decided to like watch watch the matches. Then in between in the gaps, I'll go on Twitter then and have a look at them. And that for me, that really helps me make my own decisions and enjoy the matches because uh, quite often Twitter's full of negativity. So I tend to stay away from it. And if I feel negative about a match, I know I've not been, I've not seen negativity, and that can influence me when I'm watching something where I see a load of people down on it. Even if I was enjoying it, it does have an effect. So. Best fix for that is just to just not look during the match. Anyway, uh, so F5 kick out at 1. F5 kick out at 2. Another F5 kick out just before 3. Butlison goes for a 4th F5. Claymore. Drew McIntyre calls him up a 3rd Claymore, because of course there's a 1 at the start of the match. And a 4th Claymore. 1, 2, 3. Drew McIntyre wins. McIntyre is the new WWE Champion winning in the ultimate main event of WrestleMania 36. Yeah, the no-downtime finisher-heavy tune of all these Lesnar matches, whilst fun to watch, they are, honestly, they are diminishing on each repeat. Which is, yeah. So, good for McIntyre. He ended WrestleMania on a high. It's just that I don't... I'm six minutes into this show, and I'm done talking about this. <laughs> There's nothing for me to say. Like, yeah, Dubai is his champion now. Run with it. Try and make something of it. That said, obviously, real-world circumstances completely shift how that's even possible. But, yeah, good for you, Drew McIntyre. You're champion. You can, it's up to WWE to properly run with that and make you feel like the grand champion where, well, that on paper and in picture, that he bloody seems like he is. It's, I just have nothing for these bottlehead matches anymore. Like, yeah, again, uh, seven minutes into the show... I'm done talking about it. There's nothing else to say. <laughs> Which is, like, I giggle about it, but, yeah, that's it. There is nothing more to say. And I can donate all of that time to John Cena versus The Fiend. I do message in it or hit me up on Twitter, at the damn Implicat, if you like, do have any more in-depth. I do remember that I did get a tweet, actually, before I went live, which was a question for this thing, as you hear me clack on the bloody keyboard. What was it? Here we go. So, uh, sent in by uh, Ryan Evans. I forgot to put the... <laughs> anyway, Ryan Evans at... Oh, I don't need to read, read through it handle. Uh, Lesnar matches are so boring. They're like watching video games uh, before play. Oh, you put three to four finishes ready to use straight away. Uh, no build to the finish. Uh, th- those kind of matches aren't for me at all. Uh, I'd say night one better than night two. Uh, night two was all right, though. He's like, yeah, it, it was all right. Yeah. <laughs> that, overall, I enjoyed the show again. 
It's just like, yeah, I don't have anything for these matches anymore either, really. They're, they're, yeah, they're fun. But they've had them so many times where they diminish in value. <laughs> so I don't, I wouldn't say I find them boring, because there's no downtime. So I've just seen the exact match to a T. I don't know how many times in the past six years I am done with them. Like, I don't know if everybody is. I don't know if that's the general consensus. Like This felt like a WrestleMania where it needs to be the turning point, which is kind of like a major message within, I guess, the John Cena and Bray Wyatt thing. Of It was on John Cena, but like Undertaker and Styles as well. In there was the next... This current generation needed to be shifted to. And I guess the, the undertones of that were sewn into this WrestleMania. This feels like it needs to be the one when that happens. Like, June McIntyre's WWE Champion... Hopefully, fingers crossed, this one doesn't go to pot. <laughs> Hopefully, they've been pretty unlucky, as in, like, in terms of like the creative world, where fans turning on Seth Rollins, uh, that yeah, the creative form wasn't amazing, and his match, his main event matches got booed out of the arena because of pretty bad creative decisions. But the ultimate fan turn, that was out of their hands. Like that was pretty much Seth Rollins. He, yeah, his I guess fan reaction changed when his like online persona. Okay, a little bit graining to <laughs> quite a massive uh, collection of people, and that kind of that was the fire that lit it all. That's what lit the explosion. But yeah, Roman Reigns is really unfortunate as well. Weird decision to keep Lesnar champion at WrestleMania that year anyway, but when Roman Reigns won at SummerSlam, unfortunately, real life kicked in. With McIntyre, unfortunately, real life has kicked in again. There's not really much he can do there, but as champion, I reckon he can kick ass. If they are able to record at all. There's talk of WWE recording in a secret location. Uh, they've got Raw and Smackdown for this week covered. But with more and more states locking down. Like being able to just shift to a different state and record in a secret place. Is less, it's a less and less viable action. They, can't, they won't be able to do that as much. Or as freely I guess. Or as easily to go to a different state and just record Raw and Smackdown. So like them hyping Money in the Bank for May 10th. It's like, oh, that's uh, that's that's pretty optimistic. <laughs> I think it's fair to say. Um, yeah, don't hope that won't be in front of a crowd. Like, this or one hundred percent should not be in front of a crowd. But yeah, you never know. Anyway, moving on to the match I really want to talk about because I've got so much, and I know because it is the the kind of match that it was that a lot of people. It could be more mighty, but I saw a lot of positiveness. It was either really positive about the 5-5 Funhouse match, or it was like, eh, what was that? <laughs> it's like, I was in the camp of absolutely loving it. So like, for me, the thing, it was right up my street, though, in terms of the type of match it was. The type of thing where, like, there was so much to impact. It was pure creativity on the loose. It was just bleeding out of the thing. Like, I was ready for the bonkers, and that is exactly what I got. Uh, like a strange dream. Like, I loved it. <laughs> it was like the, ghost of, the ghosts of Cena's past. Like, every moment having meaning as uh, Cena confronts his demons and the, like, the gradual reveal at the end that he was the one that needed to leave WWE and not Bray Wyatt twisting his words. Like, from ruthless aggression through to their match at WrestleMania 30 to the constant comparisons of, like, Cena having to turn like Hogan did to be cool and rejuvenate the wrestling world uh, to the modern day with Cena's own words twisted against him. Uh, like, six years ago, he was the one that was meant to fall. Like, yes, I loved that. It was just the, if it was that strange dream feel. And I know a lot of people... Um, not a lot, I don't know if it is majority or not, because of course it's early days, so you just get immediate Twitter response. And I didn't see anything of, that was awful, that was bad. I just saw some people loving it, and some people like, I didn't get it, what what was that, that was weird. <laughs> so, like, um, for me it's just that strange dream thing, where every single moment had a meaning to it. Like, it was there for a reason. Like, even just straight up Vince, Mc, Vince McMahon puppet just saying, oh, it's good shit, pal. <laughs> that, that, that popped me. I thought that was hilarious. Uh, also, the fact they had the word shit on the show twice and it didn't get bleeped either time. Just straight up, it just was there. Like, I'll get punished for saying it just then <laughs> on the uh, on the old YouTubes. But yeah, for WWE, they actually just openly had it on twice. I find that interesting. I don't know if this is a gradual shift away from PG or if a few things just become more accepted over time. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, I'm trying to think of like 
specifics knows, but really just the whole the whole match. I say match the whole segment thing for the Firefly Funhouse. I loved every single moment from the very beginning. As soon as John Cena comes out and he does the it, come on, let's WrestleMania, and then it goes. I don't think he went let's WrestleMania. <laughs> he said he shouted something, and then it's like. And we, and we go into the Firefly Funhouse, and he's there, and it's got the warning of, uh, oh, beware the, be, well, beware ye who exit here, or something like that. He's like, oh, a little foreshadowing, because John Cena, oh, this is, this is his exit. It was the fading away of John Cena. But yeah, I saw quite a few random ideas of what the Fiend could do, given that he sent people into, like, past versions of themselves. What would he do to John Cena? Also, given the extremely strong emotional attachment, a kind of career trajectory attachment to John Cena, there is that kind of probably desire from the character of the Fiend and Ray White to do more, do something a little bit more drastic. Uh, has he erased John Cena? Th- th- that's a cool thing. That's a cool character thing to think about. It's like, yeah. Uh, yeah, anyway. <laughs> Let's not get stuck on a bottle. I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> I'm very tired. So, John Cena. Enters the fun house and immediately this got a laugh out on me. I thought it was it's in the dark room. It's doing the eerie atmosphere. I'm thinking I know it's half past three in the morning and I could be in danger of falling asleep if I do do it. But I feel like I should turn the lights down for this. <laughs> Just with, with uh, John Cena in darkness and then puppet Vince McMahon pops up and starts talking to him and. Just the way the music played as soon as the Vince McMahon puppet popped up. Oh, gen- genuine laugh on me. <laughs> I thought that was uh, hilarious. Uh, and whenever Vince McMahon came up again on commentary later on, it was like, oh, every time it got me a laugh. <laughs> so even in this match where they were doing something like super surreal and super serious at times within the jokiness of it all, like it got genuine laughs out of me. I thought that was, yeah, I like, that, was, that was great for, again, for the current climate. I'm happy to laugh. I thought that was fantastic. Um, but then we go into ruthless aggression, John Cena. Because, again, one of the theories was he'd send John Cena further and further back into past iterations of himself, like he'd done with other characters, but, like, further back, and then further back, and then further back until he doesn't exist. I can't remember which... It was off one of the YouTube channels. I can't remember who said it, though, so unfortunately no credit. But he did... He did do the, Chris, the ghosts of John Cena's past... Where he was ruthless, aggressive, John Cena, and Bray Wyatt was playing those characters from the past. Hence, why it was flickering in between them. Just, I'm assuming most people got that. <laughs> I thought I'd play through it just in case. So, uh, John Cena is being Kurt Angle in this dream situation, whilst John Cena relives this moment from his past, and Bray Wyatt corrects it and changes it. Where John Cena doesn't succeed, and he mocks him like, again. It's bringing up kind of the fears of John Cena himself, which again is. It's because I think the the most successful thing about this was you could believe it was, uh, I guess, a, a little bit of Elm Street in there, in the sense of it's John Cena's dream, but Bray Wyatt is in control of it. That's that's the surreal thing that I really dug about this. Like, it wasn't just a wacky place, but it had the dream-like feel. But it wasn't John Cena stepping into somebody else's dream, because it seemed like from stage to stage, what was moving it along to the next thing, it was John Cena's kind of fears playing up. And it was John Cena was kind of being hurt, being healed by hurt by Bray Wyatt. It's like, oh, I'm like, yes. That's what the Elm Street kind of feel was to me. <laughs> it's John Cena's dream, but Bray Wyatt is the demon, is the force behind it, moving it along and correcting these little things and changing the past so the next stage of the dream is slightly different. Yeah, Thugonomics, John Cena. Uh, again, also, John Cena seemed to embody the character of each person he was playing as well. So, full-on ruthless aggression, John Cena. And the Thugonomics, John Cena, was the one talking trash and not afraid to talk trash. When Bray Wyatt tried to do a heart-to-heart to Thugonomics, John Cena, he got nothing but hate in return. And then, of course, the WrestleMania 30 stuff. Or oh, I know I've missed. I've missed uh, the Muscle Man stuff from the 80s. That was what it flashed to next. With John Cena working out to a point of... To a breaking point out. Yeah, John Cena working out to such a level. I was miming John Cena lifting the weight and just smacked my fists on the table. <laughs> big, big, strong boy. <laughs> but yeah, so they had that whole kind of um, montage, the, the mon- moment with him doing doing the weights to a breaking point to look to have all that muscle and look absolutely amazing. Uh, Ray Wyatt just 
kind of having a stab at him about his ego to do with that. Uh, of course, he's the muscle man, which for Bray, for Bray Wyatt embodies that moment where he was told that he had to get in shape, he had to lose weight, whilst uh, John Cena was like properly like, yeah, I was like, yeah, I love that contrast. It's the muscle, what the muscle man represents for Bray Wyatt, and he's the guy who's teaming with John Cena in the eighties. Like, oh yes, uh, and then after that, we've got the ergonomics after the WrestleMania thirty. Where they're try- talking about reliving the moment back six years ago. That's also fantastic. Uh, the Nitro stuff as well. Yeah. Oh, I've not shouted out the SmackDown fist. <laughs> it wasn't the entire set, but just the fact they just had the SmackDown fist and John Cena kept walking out in front of that. Uh, that was also great. Uh, uh, the- oh, yeah. I've already said the uh, Vince McMahon, that's good shit. <laughs> I thought that, yeah, that was brilliant. Um, oh, oh, Macho Buzzard as well. I think it was Mercy, was that from Macho Mercy, Mercy Macho or Macho Buzzard, or Mercy Macho the Buzzard, one of those bloody things, but yeah, hey man, uh, so the commentary from New Gen, and yes, uh, awesome pairing, but the uh, Nitro stuff, again, I love, again, each bit has its own message, and for me, the message that jumped out here and immediately, again, it's first watch, I can't be, I'm not 100% sure, because I feel like I would need to be watch it just to get a bit more of a glimpse, but as it's, it's kind of storytelling, it's like right in my wheelhouse. Um, not wheelhouse, right up my streets. Type of thing I like. <laughs> like every single scene having meaning like this. Um, yeah, it, it screamed that this was that like, at the time of WrestleMania 30, the amount of times, the amount, of, the amount of I guess fan talk and pressure, I guess, of John Cena needs to turn heel, just like Hogan did in the 90s, and then it will, it will give us the next awesome era of wrestling if John Cena turns heel and, and it's like cool like Hogan was. And that felt like it was playing off that. Ray Wyatt was Eric Bischoff goading Cena into doing that, into becoming Hulk Ho- that Hulk Hogan from the NWA era, NWA NWO era. And yeah, you know, I felt like oh yes, there's, there's just layers to that bit. I thought it was awesome. And I wouldn't be surprised if people watched that and were just confused of what's going on here. Like it, especially if you're if you've not been watching, if you weren't watching when WrestleMania 30 took place, because again, it was six years ago. That is quite some time. <laughs> really, it's weird to think how long ago John Cena's career was. I just remember watching it, not really super enjoying him, uh, and then kind of moved on to stuff. Uh, even as a young teenager, I was never a massive fan of John Cena. I was only born in 92, so I was a teenager when John Cena was doing his stuff. And no, I was a fan of the other guys. I didn't particularly like the guy. I didn't enjoy him. Even like uh, Again, uh, Youth of Innocence, where I'm not really comparing it against anything. This is the first wrestling I'm experiencing. No, nah, I preferred... Spe- I was Batista guy. <laughs> Way back when. I'm, go- I'm drifting off. I'm drifting off topic. Uh, but yes, the NWO th- comparison for me was the turning cool... Turning heel to be cool and remain relevant kind of stuff. Um, yeah, but that took us to WrestleMania 30, where it's all about righting the wrongs of uh, John Cena's actions back at that show. And John Cena, in his SmackDown promo, was saying six years ago he made a mistake, that he should have erased Bray Wyatt, he should have uh, got rid of him, uh, the most entitled, overhyped man of the past six years. But they twisted the words so that he was talking about himself, John Cena, when he was about to be hit with the sister Abigail. It's like, oh yes, that was an awesome kind of twisting moment. And it just put the nail on everything. I don't know if that was John Cena accepting that fact, and that's what that was, and then he just kind of fades away. Uh, oh, oh, fades away and classifies himself as obsolete. And there was a bloody reference in there. <laughs> I knew I could work it in. <laughs> I need to give a shout-out to the Matt Hardy delete stuff. Because uh, this WrestleMania, in terms of the pre-taped stuff, it's taken a lot of influence from the Matt Hardy deletion stuff, which then which blew up a couple of years ago. Like that is, oh, well, I guess part of it as well. Apparently, I thought I saw Jeremy Borash did work on the Undertaker AJ Styles match, which which makes a lot make sense. Why <laughs> suddenly it worked? Where Borash, he was the guy who worked with Matt Hardy on those, and you could see when Hardy moved to WWE and he didn't have Borash kind of producing those segments there wasn't that same spark when it was a WWE guy producing them with him rather than it just being him but suddenly Borash is there for Undertaker Styles oh suddenly it's like that mind it works like oh it's amazing uh, anyway John Cena the Fiend absolutely loved it as I've proven by 
like 13 minutes non-stop just bang <laughs> like re- yeah really enjoyed that every scene had its moments to it I don't think I've gone into everything but that those I guess, I guess those segments each running on from the last one and it was the ghost of Cena's past and the fact that I don't know if John Cena did himself decide to fade away if it was the fiend that arranged John Cena uh, or what it was <laughs> it's a little bit of Twin Peaks of, of did John Cena just fade away? <laughs> what does that even mean? In what aspect has he faded away? Is he what is it? <laughs> it's just that that weird kind of I'm not quite entirely sure what the ending definitely means, but he did fade away. <laughs> that definitely happened. Definitely disappeared. Uh, but yeah, we that could again with John Cena saying his first thing, they made sure to play it in the promo package of John Cena saying he's gonna do the right thing. WrestleMania would go on without John Cena. It's his time to step away, and because he didn't, I don't know if the the fiend was kind of nailing that home. And he, this was him stepping away. Maybe it, it's bloody creative and out there. <laughs> it is not the type of thing you see on WWE television at all. I compared it to Twin Peaks. Uh, obviously, it's not going to be on the level of Twin Peaks, but it's got that similar thing of the things you're seeing when you're watching them. They feel like they have meaning. So even if everything I've said is utter trash. Because of the way they're filmed, the way that they're delivered, uh, the way that Bray Wyatt, the way that he has his lines as well, it feels like it has meaning. So I've got stuff I can read into it. And I can be certain that, oh, it, oh, it definitely means this. But that's the... Oh, I'm going to get f- my film production course kicking me in the ass. That's the Lynchian kind of effect of the David Lynch's films, where you really do feel like what you're watching has meaning and you're digging into it and you're trying to find out, well, what does it mean, though? And that like, I wouldn't be surprised if there just is no meaning. He just did a thing, and the way that he films it makes it feel like there is meaning, and that really helps create confusion. But it gets your mind running. But, but there must be a meaning behind it because that's the way our brains work. Uh, yeah, I'm not saying this is of this level. This to me screams that everything does definitely have a meaning. But it's that effect. That effect is there, and that is uh, yeah. So that's right on my tree. I loved everything about the theme there. That I thought it was fantastic. Bloody brilliant. <laughs> I loved it. Right. I think the only, I guess, the other major match on this show before we get through the rest of it would have been Edge versus Randy Orton in the last man standing match. A very, this is the most divisive on the night. I was assuming it would be The Fiend versus John Cena. I just assumed that that Firefly Funhouse, because it would be so out there, uh, because it would be so wacky and a bit bonkers and weird. Uh, not like your typical thing you'd be used to. I just assumed that would be the most divisive. But it turns out it's Edge versus Randy Orton. Some people loved it. Some people liked moments, but they thought it went too long. Some people downright hated it. Yeah, shout out to Rich Latter again. I saw him on Twitter this time. <laughs> just flat out hating it. Uh, I, I mean, that's the second category where I really enjoyed moments, but for me it went on too long. And that's where now I started to have a little bit of an issue with it, where this needed like 10 minutes shorter just to keep up the pace. Uh, The story they told was great and the moments they had within there, they had some cool spots as well, like elevating and elevating and elevating to that point where they're on top of a truck just hitting each other with the hardest moves they can and Edge even crying at the end, just just ending Randy Orton with the concerto. I I really did enjoy that. I I thought thought it was great. It, It was just way too long. And I, even me, when I was enjoying it, I zoned out, and from, that's when I immediately—that's when I immediately realised, like, yeah, this has gone on too long. At that point, it didn't need thirty-six minutes. It didn't warrant it. It was a good story, it just wasn't a thirty-six minutes one. And if you compress, if you cut out ten, even fifteen minutes of that, it didn't all need to be there. Like, didn't need an entire tour of the PC, <laughs> for example. It didn't all need to stay in there. But the creative vision—it still stayed. It still stayed. It's just that it was definitely too long. Um, I would say I watched Edge's documentary on the network instead of the kickoff. So I went into this pay-per-view. Like in, my investment level was high for this going in. And by the end of it, I, was a bit, I felt a, bit, a little bit disappointed just because I had zoned out before the ending. So by the time it ended, I was just waiting for the end to come because it had gone on too long. And I'd, em- I'd entered a pure hype of just, this is going to be one of the best of the night was my expectations. Like, I am so invested after watching that Edge documentary. Highly recommend you do. It's a really, really good documentary. And following Edge in terms of his, his from 2011 and just what's led to his return as well. It's that journey. 
And yeah, I was a little bit uh, by the end of it. But I will just go through a few moments. Uh, Orton disguised as the cameraman attacking Edge out of nowhere was a nice... I think it was a callback. Because if I might, Edge himself did that back in 2007 where he dressed up as a cameraman to attack, I want to say Undertaker, in Hell in a Cell. Could have been Batista. I could be thinking of someone else. Did CM Punk do it? Oh, I don't know, I'm getting confused. <laughs> it was a used trope. Yeah, but yeah, such a great touch. Uh, immediately having Mandy hit the RKO as well. Uh ordering the referee to end the match as quickly as possible while, like, whilst muttering to himself during the counts, like, stay down, please stay down. Like, so many nice little touches here. Like, just painting the picture that Vandy didn't want to keep elevating the danger and the violence in the match, but Edge just had to keep getting back up. Uh, another pro the pre-recorded nature of WrestleMania this year is it fully allowed the brawl to go absolutely anywhere, which they did. When I wrote that note... I didn't realise how far they'd go. <laughs> Not in terms of, oh, how far they go with violence. No, just in pure distance. <laughs> they travelled so far. It was a full tour of the performance centre. Um, the match went to the gym area early on, where there's all sorts of danger. It was a pure brawl. Like, using whatever they could get their hands on. Um, Excitement-wise, cure gym... Pu- cure? Cue gym parkour. That's what's bloody messing my mouth up. Cue gym parkour from Edge. Randy Orton was like trying to choke him with a gym thing as well, which was uh, fine. It was there. <laughs> After that, uh, there was the again the gym thing went on for a little while. Um, it's for me, it's kind of the painting of the pace of this. I felt like editing wise, because he could do it. I know, I know they were obviously in a little bit of a rush with the time constraints of recording WrestleMania, recording Raw and, Sm- Raws and Smackdowns and having it to be done by like the Thursday of that week because then everything was closed. They couldn't film anything from a certain point. Uh, but yeah, if the editing was a little bit tighter, that would have really helped this match just because it did feel... It eventually went on too long. Uh, and the gym fight area was like a key example of that. Uh, but after the gym bit, we had the cool red lighting of the behind the stage, or behind the curtains uh, production area. It created such a cool vibe, like an awesome contrast from the well-lit gym session, <laughs> I guess. Uh, but that did lead to Randy Orton Adventure Time. Like, Randy Orton Adventure Time really is a tour of discovery, taking us all over the performance centre. Like, hey, no one's there, so why not? Uh, I mean... Uh, they'd have to disinfect the entire building, but aside from that, hey, why not go for it? Because that was one of the notes, that after, in between every single match, they disinfected the ring and did a full-on clean. Which meant after this, they would have had to go everywhere they went and <laughs> disinfected everywhere. Ah, oh, poor guys. Poor, poor guys. Uh, a note for the PC conference room that has a cage on the ceiling. Sometimes you just know when a wrestler's had a hand in designing a room. <laughs> that is not a normal request <laughs> to have a cage wall on the ceiling. Um, film production me uh, had a whale of a time in the filming area brawl, uh, just especially in terms of what they use as weapons. Like Edge, using a sandbag as a weapon. It's like, oh yes, yes, well done, Edge, using that sandbag as a weapon. But, oh no, now the tripod's not as steady. <laughs> what are we going to do? Uh, yeah, I, I like that happening. It just, it's just, uh, yeah, it's a little part of the film, like, filming equipment that doesn't normally get a shout-out. The sandbag. <laughs> On WrestleMania, the sandbag got a shout-out. <laughs> just, yeah, that, that, that did pop me. I'm assuming it pops no one else, <laughs> but... It did pop me. Um, awesome elbow off a ladder onto a table-prone Orton from Edge. Uh, this was the moment that finally swung the match into more of an even struggle between the two, where they could paint that, oh, does Randy Orton have broken or cracked ribs or something, and he's he's crawling after everything just as much as Edge is. Uh, of course, this is the PC. It's a, de- a developmental area for WWE, so the parking is the most dangerous area. Uh, a devastating draped DDT on a truck, as in they were actually both on the truck, so both of them were going, ah, ah, for about five minutes afterwards, uh, followed by a knackered brawl on top of a production truck. Uh, this is where the match finished as well. Uh, these lads' finishers sounded like they hurt on top of that thing. At first, Edge's spear flattened Orton with a thud, then the Archeo counter sounded like pure pain, um... One thing that did make me laugh was conveniently right next to the truck was the biggest ladder in the world. 
They didn't use it. <laughs> but Randy Orton eyed it up and then obviously picked up steel chairs for a walloping. Like, yeah, as soon as I saw that, yes, I'm sure Edge will make that same decision. Uh, they didn't use it. The match ended a different way. It is what it is. Uh, after a long-ass brawl, and this is where I zoned out, I remember, weird, like, I flat out don't remember it, which tells me something. Randy Orton got the steel chairs, went up to the top, definitely hit Edge with them at least once, and then it's just blank, just nothing, up until it's the moment where Randy Orton is down, and Edge, I think he might have choked him, like choked him out, and then Edge, he go, he's realised he's got to go for the concerto, he's like, Randy Orton isn't going to stop, to prove his point, but Edge has got to really take him out, and the concerto's a way to do that, but he, it bring, it, it's going to be quite difficult for him to do that, and through his tears, he forces himself to deliver the concerto to Randy Orton, and that is what gets us the 10 count. An emotional moment rather than a big stunt spot, uh, which kind of shows the progression of Edge as a wrestler, I guess, in a way as well. Uh, he got his little, he got his new actor chops that he's now bringing to the wrestling. He got that actor chops bit in his wrestling match at the end there, so <laughs> good for you, Edge. We might see more of those in his wrestling career now, I guess. Uh, I enjoyed the match, but up to a point, it 100% overstayed its welcome and went on too long. Uh, some nice moments, but over 30 minutes, it did not display it needed. Uh, commentators didn't add anything either. Uh, if anything, they set a quiet tone amidst the brawling, like adding to the overlong feel. Like they really needed to add energy in the silent holes. They didn't. They added to the quiet. If anything, like speaking, like oh my, oh my god, he's he's hit him with a chair. Oh, and he's he's just. He's just put the ball into the ninth hole and uh, he's going to now go to the caddy and request a new club. And it's like, no, is this the golf commentary? <laughs> it's just so dull and boring. Um, which is a bit of a shame. Like, I enjoyed the match in parts, but by the end I had zoned out and I was just waiting for it to end. Which, again, given how hyped I was before it started, I just felt like it was a bit of a shame. And I am quite a big fan of these different things like I'm I'm a massive fan of Wrestlemania being the variety and me understanding it's not all going to be for me but uh yeah and I'm normally a fan of like different things like this it just went on too long and I was bored by the end of it and I was zoning out I wouldn't say even bored I was just not paying attention to the point where in my recaps I don't even have notes I was just I was gone (laughs) I don't know where I was (laughs) but I have no notes for what happens after Randy Orton gets on there, and I can't remember anything either. It's just that is a shame. Like I did and en- did enjoy the match, but yeah. But anyway, there are the three big matches to talk about. Uh, obviously, I know around this point after the big matches talked about, people t- start to kind of jump off and go to bed because it's quarter past four. It's twenty bloody hell! <laughs> it's twenty past four in the morning for me. Uh, but I'm going to blast through the rest of the card. I will take a sip of water though, and I will check speaker. I always forget to check speaker. There you go. Still working. There we go. I've said that loudly so it picks it up. Mm. Ah, big ass goober water. Right, lovely. Anyway, on to the remainder of the matches. Uh, how many do we have? Like eight in total? So this is the longer bit. <laughs> no, it's not really the longer bit because I'll blast through all the stuff pretty quickly. So, uh, in terms of going through the show and the feeling of the show as I was watching it, uh, First note, ugh, Party Gronk is in the house again tonight. Oh dear. <laughs> British me, I talked about this last night, where British me... I don't know if it is a British thing where we just don't get the bro thing and we just find it irritating. But yeah, so whenever I hear Party Gronk with... Uh, it was Party Rock is the song that's playing, yeah. The Party Gronk just there, like, oh, damn it. Oh, I hate you. <laughs> but it's like a funny... I say, it's a funny hate though, don't worry. <laughs> like, no, I'm not. Properly, it doesn't matter. Anyway, Tom Phillips greets us with the traditional serotones of WrestleMania. Uh, and straight into the first match was the NXT Women's Championship, Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte Flair. WrestleMania Night 2 kicked off in style with a pace-setting banger. Uh, a bloody fantastic opener. Uh, quick back and forth to... Well, I'm talking, getting into the match actually there with those notes. But yeah, I generally enjoyed this match. I thought it was a great uh, pace-setter for the rest of the show. And it was like it, it, if this was at WrestleMania, if this did happen first or whatever, it's it's one of the best openers. I genuinely loved it. It was 
Again, it's a shame that there weren't any crowd there to react to the parts of it. Uh, and I thought that the way it built up Rhea and the fact that she, um, if anything, was a bit too overzealous to prove her point, And that's what cost her against a veteran wrestler who was more than happy to play the longer game. Uh, that's what cost her in the end. Like I'll get to it in the course of the match, but I liked the story they told here. And I'm perfectly fine with Charlotte Flair winning. Uh, mostly because, given the times, I just don't have any energy for full-on forward criticising, really. Because, like, I, I just have no way of... No energy for that way of thinking right now. Like, the whole world, wrestling included, is in such a crazy state. Like, my bar is, was I entertained? And you can bet your ass I was. So I don't really... Yeah, I'm not really... If I enjoyed the match, that's enough for me. I don't really... I'm not really analysing the like the story stuff or the character builds or the arcs or anything. Which is something I do normally analyse and take into account. But tonight, I'm just not really. like. It, especially in terms of like in-ring stuff. Like John Cena, the, John Cena versus The Fiend, where it's clearly part of what you're being presented. That's slightly differently. But when it's a wrestling match, like I can enjoy the wrestling match. I'm not really thinking about bigger pictures of anything I don't really care at the moment like for me there's so much going on that it just doesn't matter yeah but anyway uh, the match itself a quick back and forth set us off immediately uh, Rhea ending it with a surprise riptide right out of the gates at a close near fall Charlotte rolls out the ring uh, the rookie going in quick and fast which was the pace for the whole match as well that no, Ray Ripley didn't just didn't really die down from this. Like she only knew one gear and stayed in it the entire time, going full pelt. I guess like oh, I didn't write it down, but I was thinking like kind of like a wild animal, where constantly charging at Charlotte Flair, and in in spite of injury, she still tried to go at that same pace as well. Um, and the veteran Charlotte wisely went out of the ring and tried to reassume control. But Ray Ripley was constantly charging at us, and in these early stages of the matches, Ripley won out again and again. Uh, The Rumble winner had to chop the champion down uh, with like dragon whip to the leg after like a proper leg chop as well. Uh, Those always look vicious, (laughs) always look pretty cool. Um, And then that was what was swinging a bit more into dominating. Uh, well, Flair had the, well, I guess, the damage rather than actually a full swing into dominating. Like she was able to inflict damage, which over the course of the match would build and build rather than a full-on swing. Now I'm in control. Uh, Flair had the bigger shots, and Ripley the more dominance, uh, but with the caveat of the increasingly damaged leg. Um, they, like, like Ripley seemingly countered everything, uh, but she wasn't holding back. Like. Flipping over top rope drop kicks, everything she was doing causing more damage to herself in that attempt to prove a point against Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania. She didn't change gears even when the leg was injured, and she probably should have, which is the difference between rookie and veteran. They painted that really well. Uh, eventually, that gave Flair uh, in. Uh, the difference between the rookie and the veteran, uh, the latter perfectly fine to play the longer game. Uh, but bloody hell did it take a lot though Uh, the NXT champion just kept countering and countering fighting through the pain Uh, like when Flair would usually lock in the figure 8 we instead ended up with a slew of pin reversals Uh, everything was a fight for Flair but Ripley really did go at it too hard Uh, the leg and more the leg got more and more damaged and eventually with the wind knocked out of her from a spear the queen was able to lock in the figure 8 uh, with the damage done, that was all she wrote. Uh, a, a damn great opener. Lots of noise on the two as well. Like 10 out of 10 for us folks trying to follow whilst making copious amounts of notes <laughs> for post shows and, and uh, I guess articles and things as well. It's like, oh, if I don't know what's happening, they're, they're shouting about it. <laughs> like I can hear the plot of the... Ma- I don't, like If I was blind, I could have followed that match. But yes. But yes, my bar. Was I entertained? Yes, I was. And I could talk about, oh, what is this afterwards? Oh, Charlotte for NXT, that could be interesting. Will it be interesting? Oh, Charlotte wins, lol. Like, none of that's coming into my head. I enjoyed the match. I've been distracted. I'm, yes, I'm genuinely happy for that. And match number two. Uh, Alistair Black versus Bobby Bobby Lashley. Oh, no, Bobby Lee Lashley. I forgot I came up with that name. Um, incredible gear on Alistair Black. 
uh, like a demon king incarnate. Uh, it was amazing. I loved it. Uh, Zelina Vega later on as well, like with the golden schools as well. I've, everything Zelina Ve- all of Zelina Vega's like special uh, attire there. All video nerdy video game references or just dressing up as characters. Um, but as far as I know, a lot of them are from fighting games of which I do not play. <laughs> but I recognise the gold schools. I don't know what from. It's from something. I, d- I don't know what. <laughs> it looked cool. Alistair Black looked amazing as well. There was one shot where he was in the ring and uh, Bobby Lashley's like, da 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 Wait, it's got the silhouette of Bobby Lashley. Um, and Alistair Black was just in the ring. And of course, he's then kind of a silhouette himself as the lights from the Titan Tron play. He looked badass. <laughs> he looked amazing. It's just like one shot. Like, I need to find it again. It was, yeah, that was my favourite shot of this match. It was like, yes, Alistair Black looked amazing. But in that moment where he's looking at the Titan Tron and he himself is a silhouette, you see how amazing his uh, entrance of the Titan is. Uh, yes. Uh, the Moody Fecker, as Michael Cole, Michael Cole called him. Uh, the Moody Fecker even got a floaty. AR graphic, like, good on you. Now, enjoy a match with no build. Um, the match was... Like, I like the first match. This match was also good. But this one was more TV good. Like, not WrestleMania levels. Uh, perfectly fit the ebbs and flows of nature of the modern-day WrestleMania. Like, I don't, it's a modern trope. I'm not a massive fan of it. I personally like the slow, gradual builds. Like, WWE have done that, but I know... Um, now, seeing feedback from it, there's quite a lot of people who do not like the slow, gradual build to the amazing second half, but slightly so first. But it's more the the ebbs and flow seems to be more appealing to a grander audience, which is what WWE is all about. So I can I can understand it, even if um personally I prefer the slow, gradual build. I'm British overall; we like our slow paces. Um, Alistair, like my main note from this match, Alistair Black is awesome. Uh, this was also a pretty great next level opponent to elevate him. Like a, a nice character note to end the match too. Uh, Bobby Lashley lifting Black up for the Dominator, only for Lana to jump up on the apron and scream instructions for him to spear instead. Uh, Lashley obliges, only to be caught smushing the face with a black mass. Uh, a win for Alistair Black and an entire divorce angle set up for Lana and Lashley. Hooray, that's, that's your TV written. For the next God knows how many weeks, or whenever they kick back up again. Lana and Lashley, the falling out after Lana is directly the reason that Lashley loses. Well, where if he'd, if he'd channeled Ron Simmons and delivered that Dominator, Bobby Lashley could have won. But no. <laughs> she had to be like, no, Spears are the cool things from, La- from Lana, and that was that. But yeah, cool win for Alistair Black, a nice elevation because beating Bobby Lashley like that. However, it did feel like a decent TV match rather than Wrestlemania so yeah in different circumstances maybe both of these guys are in the Battle Royal it's just yeah it, with them doing the two nights uh, which which has also been in debate like have the two nights worked would that be good for the future uh, I can't remember who it was like, somebody yesterday raised the only point I'd have about this is then they wouldn't be able to do the stadium shows because I don't reckon they could sell the tickets twice for WrestleMania, especially at the price they are. They'd have to lower prices if they are desperate about filling those, uh, those both nights. Uh, in a smaller arena, you could do it. I feel like um, New Japan proved that with Wrestle Kingdom, that with those between thirty and 40,000. So they're not the like smaller ones, but uh, yeah, New Japan did it with Wrestle Kingdom. They sold out two days, 30-something thousand on each night, I think, or was close to 30,000. So it, it can be done, just not maybe not 70,000 <laughs> type of stadiums that WWE have typically been going for. So, yeah, that's just my kind of note on that. Like, I personally preferred the two nights. It splits it up, makes it a bit easier to digest. However, is that issue of, well, could they still run the stadium shows? The answer might be yes, but they might not fill either of them, just given the sheer size of them. So, yeah. Anyway, match number three, Dolph Ziggler versus Otis. Like, here we go. Uh, there's so many people invested in this storyline. Like, I'm just glad to see that they're still able to do that in these trying times. Like, exactly what this WrestleMania is for. To distract and get you invested in this crazy world. Like, like it's not up my street. Like, not even close. <laughs> but I appreciate that some people have been able to get lost in it. Uh, the story of the show-off, full-of-talent guy in Dolph Ziggler. And the big lad made of pure heart. Uh... And thrusts. <laughs> Lots of thrusts. <laughs> uh, Otis shaking the ropes and shouting, I don't think so. 
uh, whilst thrusting, <laughs> which each point was amazing. <laughs> Got uh, I popped for that. Uh, Ziggler was throughout the match. Ziggler was just being cheeky here. It's one of those. Um, I was going to say paid by the numbers, but you knew exactly how this match was going to go from minute one. Really knew how this whole angle was going to go from minute one, but they didn't deviate, didn't do anything too wacky or too weird. And yeah, yeah, it played out to a T how this kind of angle should play out. Like it's not a, it's not a main event kind of story, but I guess third match on the second night. Yeah, it's inoffensive there. It's a perfect spot for it. I guess I guess a feel good romantic moment in the middle of a show. Like, yeah, this is the kind of feeling we that we needed from this in these times. Like Otis getting the girl, and like oh, go you go Otis. Yeah, but in the matches, Ziggler was using Sonya Deville's distractions to swing the match back in his favour whenever he could. Uh, the ultimate one was uh, yeah, Deville. I think he was up on the ropes, and Dolph Ziggler low blowed him, uh, and that seemed to be the ultimate moment. Then that's when Mandy Rose came, ran down, slapped the hell out of Sonya Deville, and low blowed Dolph Ziggler to JBL, shouting, "That should be the qualification," or you know, but in his voice. <laughs> uh, Mandy Rose uh, then obviously rolls out. Uh, and Otis hits the worm, and that is your three count. Otis defeats Dolph Ziggler, and Mandy Rose and Otis celebrate in the ring uh, with a kiss, and then Otis carries her up the rope, and out they go. Whilst they go, you're so pretty. Again, but in his voice. <laughs> a happy finale for your hearts in these most difficult of times. Uh, keep to yourselves, you grumpy black hearts. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was what it was. Like, I'm not invested in it, but I can say that yeah, it was harmless fun. Third match on the second night. This is the, that is the spot for it. I didn't order for it. And match number five of the night, as I've already covered, Edge Orton, the Raw Tag Team Championships, uh, Street Profits versus Austin Theory and Angel Gaza with Zelina Vega. Uh, I had very little energy after that last man standing match. Like, this tag match was pure energy, but I had nothing. Like, the thing was fun, but man, did I feel the energy rebound. Like, the whiplash was strong. (laughs) Going from the pace, the much, much slower, deliberate pace of Edge Orton to this high-octane tag team, high-octane, high-energy tag team match. Yeah, I felt it. (laughs) It was pretty jarring. I was not ready for it or prepare for it or whatever uh, like fast as hell no downtime like 8 minutes of pure pace like dives quick kicks quick counters uh, Angel Garza got in some nice offence uh, other than that I don't really remember anything it's just all a blur of energy and I'm just like oh, I'm just tired watching you <laughs> how do you have this much energy at this time of night um, Street Profits won after Ford hit his awesome frog splash and Dawkins got the cover uh, after the match, the heels beat up the champions. All three of them got kicks in on Ford and... I want to say and Dawkins, but it could have just been Ford. Uh, and that was until Bianca Belair ran out and took everybody out, uh, hitting a finisher on Zelina Vega as well. Uh, she looked strong as hell. Uh, in terms of booking, she looked strong as hell anyway. That was a nice surprise. I, I didn't call that happening at all. I thought we'd just move on. Uh, but a cool moment for Ford and Belair at WrestleMania. Uh, got a nice pop as well. Yeah, but not really much more to say. Like, yeah, I, w- I was just whiplashed so hard from how Edge Orton played out, and I was just so knackered from it that the sheer pace of this is just like a blur to me. <laughs> it, it was a nice kind of break until the next thing. What was the next thing? Oh, it's the final match for me to talk about tonight. Already 50 minutes in and getting towards the ending. So, the f- match number six on the night, and the final match for me to talk about right now. The five-woman elimination match. Uh, the Smackers Women's Championship. Uh, Bailey defending against Sasha Banks, Lacey Evans, Tamina and Naomi. Uh, another fun, quick-paced match Match for the most part. Uh, the elimination nature and Sasha versus Bailey uh, gave something to get invested into, though. Which was the major difference with the last match. It was just a match that happened without much to it. This I had something to get invested into. Uh, the, this match was my brain finally turning back on, like gradually throughout it. <laughs> By the end of the match, my brain was back on and I was watching a wrestling pay-per-view and I was enjoying it. Uh, lots of beatdowns and taunting. Uh, 
the pace is back to normal and I can finally keep track. <laughs> Huzzah! Uh, the, my, one of my favourite moments, uh, lots of people picked up on this, uh, where Sasha and Bailey were then covered and Michael Cole shouts, uh, called, uh, oh, Sasha and Bailey both about to get pinned and Bailey just fumbling side like, no we're not, or no we weren't. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Uh, the story of the first part, Tamina is big and strong, pile on. <laughs> That's what solves the issue. Uh, in that first segment, tag teams were formed, uh, or just established, uh, but they all realised the one big threat. Uh, then with Tamina gone, uh, we got the full-on switch to 2-on-2. Two two. A nice touch, but we also all know that can't last the entire match. So it sets up the next segment, maybe the one even after that if it swings to handicap, but you all know by the final two, it's not going to be pure tag team. So it's going to come down to two people, so that interest is there. That, oh, what's going to happen as this match builds? Um, at the end of this bit, though, Naomi had Banks in danger, but one running Bailey knee and a bank statement later, and that's all she wrote, down for the three. Uh, suddenly, we're into a handicap situation for Lacey Evans. But will Banks and Bailey still work together the entire time? Uh, Evans nearly benefited from a dodging running knee. Uh, Bailey won out, but oh, my eyes are so blurry, I can't even read my notes. <laughs> Bailey won out, but the seeds have been planted. They have been sown. She went for the running knee. Evans dodged out of the way, and Bailey's running knee hit Sasha. Down she goes to the outside. Uh, and during the ensuing argument, Bailey dodged a woman's right out of nowhere, but that sent it straight into Sasha Banks. Uh, the champ didn't even help her friend as Evans went in for the pin, just leaning against the ropes and watching, kind of in shock. Um, then we're down to two. Uh, the Sasha Bailey seed have been planted once again. Fingers crossed, it's a tad better this time. Uh, whatever it is, fair to say they've got some time to think it over, like with, with the current world. Uh, Evans was fighting back, uh, Bailey trying to slow things down to her pace, or like just grab a, a or snap a counter victory. Uh, we got a genuine, nice little one-on-one match to close things off here. Uh, it, they didn't rush the ending. I assumed they were going to. It's just because uh, it um, it kind of did echo the multi-woman elimination match from WrestleMania 33, uh, where I think Bailey won that one as well, or at least she was in it. And it was kind of echoing that where the, it had its kind of building moments, and then the eliminations just came quick and fast, and the match just kind of ended. Uh, this one, they actually gave the final two some time to go back and forth to kind of paint the feeling of Lacey Evans could actually win here. Uh, but the other part of it as well was it was enough time for Sasha Banks to have recovered and uh, pop up again just for a little while. Um, Lacey got her cool spots in and looked to be on top, uh, but then Sasha Banks came back to aid her friend. Bailey retains, but is the friendship as stable and trustworthy as before? It's wrestling, so of course it is. Uh, another fun match, uh, investment gradually building back up after the energy knackering Edge versus Orton. So, yes. Uh, also, like at the start, as Bailey was coming down, you got Sasha shot, Bailey shot, Sasha, Bailey, ba- Bailey, Sasha. Like, friend club is fine. <laughs> Everyone's all right. They're all still friends. It's all fine. Uh, uh, yeah, it was a fun match. A nice little breather, again, to then take us into uh, the mentalness of John Cena and The Fiend which I absolutely loved as I said at the start uh, and then we ended with Drew McIntyre Brock Lesnar Drew McIntyre winning in a Brock Lesnar main event which uh, yeah again I didn't spend much time on it because it's a Brock Lesnar main event you know exactly what it is if you've if you're somebody of wrestling you know exactly how this match goes and it went like that to a T with Drew McIntyre winning so yeah overall yeah it's difficult What over the course of the two nights there were a lot of learning curves, I guess, as well. Uh, like adjusting to this new world. I don't even know if it's a new world they can live in. In terms of keeping up production. Uh, this will certainly go down as one of the most unique WrestleManias in history. Or or easily the most unique WrestleMania in history. I, I generally had fun with them, though. And that was my bar. Coming in, the question for me was, can I be entertained? Can I just be distracted, get lost in it? If I'm moaning, then I'm moaning about the wrestling. I'm not thinking about wider stuff. I can just enjoy it. And that's exactly what WrestleMania did for me. I genuinely enjoyed the show. I got lost in it at times. Again, John Cena versus The Fiend and AJ Styles uh, Undertaker kind of set a new bar for WWE's cinematic matches. I guess you could call them that. 
both extremely different. Like one was more, a more serious brawl, which still was perfectly fine with the city situation, and the other in John Cena and the Fiend was just pure creativity. It wasn't a, a match. And AJ Styles versus Undertaker was still a fight. Was still a match in that sense. This like John Cena uh, the Fiend was just pure creativity. It wasn't a match. <laughs> it definitely wasn't a match, but it was a, an adventure through the funhouse. And I bloody loved it. But yeah, that's, that's, I feel like that's what that'll uh, kind of lead it to. So yeah, generally enjoyed it. So yeah. Anyway, I'm going to check the comments everywhere. Uh, uh, let me just read comment here. What are my thoughts on... Uh, what are my thoughts on Carlito's reference when White attacked Cena with the steel knuckle? Oh, he did, he did that in the ergonomics thing. Oh, with the when he wrapped around the chain. Uh, that's what that was. Uh, I thought it was just a... Again, I didn't start watching until late 2005, so I wouldn't have seen that. But, yes, I have seen it on packages. Suddenly, so my reaction was nothing, because <laughs> I didn't even realise it was a reference <laughs> to the Carlito Thugonomics thing. Oh, anyway, yes, thanks for that, don't trust Ringo. Or don't trust in Ringo. But yeah, I can read at 20 to 5 in the morning. <laughs> it's alright. Uh, anyway, again, there was so much to unpack in that John Cena the Fiends thing. I feel like I need to rewatch it and maybe do a special on Thursday if I've still got the energy for it. Like, I bloody love that match. There's so much to unpack in it in every single segment with everything having meaning and reference. It wasn't random at all. It's like, oh yes, like, yep. Yeah. T- so, so much my cup of tea. <laughs> I can drink the whole thing. Uh, anyway, uh, thank you for listening to this. I will be back on Thursday to uh, talk about wrestling in some capacity again at 20 to 5 in the morning. I can't think what. <laughs> I'll put something together. Uh, but please do check out the other shows here on Laws of Pain Radio or Laws of Pain on YouTube. Uh, we've got uh, Dynamite After Dark immediately following Dynamite every single week. We've got new shows in the pipeline. At f- again, at 20 to 5 in the morning. Isn't I should have made notes about this earlier. <laughs> 25 in the morning is the best time to probably do it we've got Miz and Miz fan who are normal NWA power recappers but they are doing a wrestling mystery bag show at the moment just picking stuff out the bag just to talk about it's a really fun show highly recommend it Uh, also we have got uh, Kingdom of Honour on Tuesdays and the what's the other bloody thing I'm going to have to look it up Uh, I'm not I'm going to plug them (laughs) what is the final thing I need to blooming remember it's not Aftershock. I did Aftershock yesterday as well, so you can listen to that as well. It's my own show. Oh, the Quick and Painless Pro Wrestling Podcast is also up here on Laws of Pain on YouTube and on the Laws of Pain Net website if you want to go look at that as well. Highly recommend everything. Anyway, thank you. I've not checked Spreaker for comments. There we go. There's no, again, sometimes there are comments. There was yesterday. I wasn't ready for it. <laughs> uh, anyway, thank you for listening. I'll be back Thursday. Check out everything on Laws of Pain on YouTube. I haven't got money things to plug yet, which is like the one benefit so far. Uh, I'm not begging for money because we've not set it up. It's not that we don't need it. It's that we've not set it up. Uh, anyway, with that, I say thank you. Bid you adieu. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed WrestleMania. You enjoyed the distraction. And then for some reason, listen to me. Um, oh, wait. I've had another comment come through just before I was about to sign out. Uh, so, uh, uh, so, Dodger Mingo thought that Wyatt did that to remind Cena his nostalgic losses when he lost to Carlito for the United States Championship in 2004. I'm assuming that's exactly why he did it. Uh, I just wasn't watching at that point, so I, I didn't get the reference. It was packed full of references. So, like, if there was anything hidden in the Ruthless Aggression stuff as well, my assumption was it was uh, everything I saw in the Ruthless Aggression documentary to do with that part. And the Kurt Angle match, I'm assuming there wasn't anything more to that. There was probably more in there with the 80s thing. Because I'm not entirely sure I definitely understood that bit and all the references in there. Uh, obviously, I didn't get all the Thugonomics references. Because yeah, there was a little thing packed in there with him doing the thing. Uh, but yeah, I yeah, I wasn't watching back then. <laughs> so yeah, wouldn't be surprised if that is exactly the point. Uh, if people know about his rivalry with Carlito in a bit more detail than me just knowing it exists and seeing the odd thing, maybe there's a lot more to unpack in the Thugonomics section of that match. So, yeah, I, I bloody love that match. <laughs> uh, it's so, so up my tree. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, thank. I'm signing off. Uh, thank you for 
listening to this. I'll be back on Thursday. We've got shows starting again on Tuesday. Uh, obviously, um, in terms of the how the world is at the moment, that like, everything is up for grabs. I, I guess in terms of like the uh, releasing of content, just because of the current world and how things are changing so rapidly. Uh, so I can just follow Twitter feeds. You can follow me on Twitter at the damn implicate. That's damn as in damn. And I post columns normally every single week. I didn't this week because I was busy doing Laws of Pain radio stuff for like the course of this weekend. So with that, I say thank you and I bid you adieu. Adios. And to you, dear podcast people, if I can ruddy find... Well, there we go. There we are. Again, uh, thank you for... I'm not going to do a... I normally do like a whole massive extra thing for the podcast people. I say extra thing. It's me waffling on trying to get to a signing off point. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm like I'm losting the joke and I can't find an exit. Oh, there was one. Oh, I could have just, could have just stopped it there and just left. Oh, well, but I didn't. And I could stop now, but I haven't done. So I keep on going. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to keep that joke going. I do actually want to go to bed. It's quarter to five on a Sunday. <laughs> anyway... Thank you for tuning in uh, and listening to all of this. Uh, and yeah, WrestleMania, hopefully it gave you a distraction. Hopefully this show gave you a one hour extra of distraction. Uh, that's kind of what this is all for, just to kind of keep us sane in these difficult times. Again, uh, I will be here on Thursday to do all this once again. Uh, with that, I bid you adieu. Thank you for listening. Adios. <laughs>